Good evening. Thank you for joining. I am not in full, um, how, would I, how should I call it, um, clergy uh, garb. I came here when we painted today uh, some of, I want to thank uh, Shimon Lianz who has, with his unbelievable kindness, always, always repaints our shul. And uh, I got some of the paint on me. So I'm going to be kind of bare in, tonight's, in today's class. Um, anybody wants to sponsor this year, it, it is available for sponsorship post-shear. I didn't um, reach out to anybody or anything. So if anybody would like to sponsor tonight, today's class, please let me know. This class is really the Monday night class. But everybody, at least for sure here in this area in Los Angeles, is very aware of the curfew. And it's pretty dangerous to go out at night. And uh, so we couldn't do the class last night. Um, even though now the classes are all being done over here in an empty room, but it's not about, uh, so uh, since the corona, we haven't had classes that was attended by people but my equipment and my mic and my camera and all that over here is at the shul. And uh, I'm not, obviously we're not supposed to go out at night. So the, the situation we all know is very strange and crazy and obviously needs some clarification. What's going on? We're finally to, to a certain degree coming out of this pandemic that has wreaked havoc on the world and, and on Jewish community life, congregational life, and that we're finally being able to start coming back to shul. Last week, they eased the restrictions, and perhaps we would be able to have people back at the classes and so on and so forth with social distancing or whatever it is. And caputo, the whole thing comes down now. Now, at least at, during the nighttime, no one can go out, and it's not letting up. There's riots. Um, the world is chaotic, and it, it is not allowing itself, or the Abish there, God is not allowing the world to go back to normal. It seems like the notion that we're going back to normal, we're just gonna wait till things clear up, so all of our pizza shops and sushi shops and and, and other fine restaurants and life of the material, physical, enjoyable life that God has granted us in the last days of exile that we thought we can kind of go back to and we're gonna just, you know, have, have uh, business as usual. It seems like Hashem is saying no business as usual. There is no more business as usual, Fartik. In that sense, what is going on is very Mashiachtic, in the sense that it's not business as usual. The world is changing, it's changing rapidly. Now, the last two events, now we've been talking a lot about Mashiach from this pulpit for the last couple of years, and a lot of the th events that we discussed were very positive regarding Eretz Yisrael and the like, and certain attitudes and changes that were very positive and great, but the, the events that have been going on recently have just been seemingly that of disruption. 
that of chaos, that of suspension. The past, and obviously, how, do you, how does this fit into what we know is for certain, is that Moshiach is banging on the door, and perhaps he's already no, no more on the outside, but already on the inside, and banging us on the head and saying, open your eyes, I'm here. Um, the so, but how does it fit with with a world that seems to be going through so much sorrow and pain? A pandemic is a pandemic. It wreaked havoc on the world. The United States of America, over a hundred thousand people lost their lives. And so, when you count all those in the rest of the world, humanity took a major hit. In addition to that, it impacted the Jewish world, our communities, in a, I would say, pretty disproportionate manner, at least in the diaspora. And Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, Hashem protected. But they weren't spirit completely as well. So you can't just look at this as some kind of a maka that's coming on the world, a plague, like the ten plagues, and God is just bringing plagues. And when Hashem brought the plagues, it was, there was a differentiation between the Jewish people and those who needed to get the plagues. And here a lot of good people died. A lot of special in Yidin. If you take a look at those who passed away in the Jewish communities, these were the cream of the crop. Powerful, great, wonderful. When I say powerful, I mean powerful souls. People had huge influence. And so that doesn't fit just to see it as a kind of, you know, God's wrath on the world before Mashiach comes. Um, one way of seeing it to a, certain, a little bit, especially, and now that it's evolving into from one devastation to the next devastation, as we know that businesses were beginning to like hope to open up and to start over again, and now, kaboom, so many of them have been, have been knocked backwards, have been... Like, like, even if they had thoughts of reopening and getting themselves started again, they, some, so many businesses were impacted by di directly and indirectly by what's happening in America today. Um, our dear friend Ariel Kosher, who has been hugely supportive of Maya, and I want to make a plug for him. If anybody can go in, and they, Baruch Hashem, they were able to open the store, even though they were looted. If you can go into, the, into them and patron the store and buy whatever you can from them, they can definitely use... The, the encouragement that he, um, Yaakov Amariel, told me that next time you give a class, he's, he always listens to my classes, he says, when you give a class, please thank the community in my name for the unbelievable outpouring of love and support. People came to clean and to, people spent hours Sunday cleaning up the mess and people were buying stuff that they didn't need just to support the store and so on and so forth. Um, so, I took a drive on Sunday morning. I went out after a night of listening to the sirens. I was up pretty late Saturday night, Motzer Shabbos, and I, can't, I was a little scared. You know, I, I was told that the looters and rioters are right behind my block, I'm right behind, uh, and so it was pretty, pretty nerve-wracking. And uh, so Sunday morning, I, I went outside to take a drive to see with my own eyes the carnage, just simply out of curiosity. And I drove around um, 
hold on one prayer. I drove around um, down, you know, the neighborhood Beverly Boulevard onto Fairfax and around Melrose, and I saw with my own eyes the horrible, horrible carnage that was left. And in a sense, you know, when we're trying to make sense of such a, such, such destruction and such pain and misery, and at the same time, we're discussing how Moshiach dig and how, how, how godly the world is and how wonderful the world is supposed to be in the days of Mashiach. And we, tr and we look at a picture of what the Rambam describes as the days of Mashiach, a period of peace and tranquility when people will live side by side next to each other. And then we look at uh, pictures of the looting and the rioting in which people are, are basically displaying their worst and showing the, the, the worst side, if you can say, of humanity. Uh, it doesn't seem to match up. So the devastation and the sorrow that was going on during the pandemic, which brought a great economic uh, threat, and the, 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 sadly the death that came along from it, that's one level of a question mark. Because after everything is said and done, that's a godly action. It, meaning it's an act done by God, it's by above. But when human beings make the wrong choices and behave literally like animals and behave like this and wreak havoc on indiscriminately on, on, on anybody that comes into their, into their, uh, into the, um, into the pathway of the, of the roaming mobs, um, it doesn't look and it doesn't smell like Moshiach. So it creates a big question mark on everything I've been saying and everything we've been teaching here at Mayon. Um, it makes us maybe fall into despair on humanity and say, you know, like maybe Moshiach Hasfishalim is not ready to come. Maybe mankind is not ready to live yet in, on a, in a higher state of existence and a higher level of, of life that is going to be the life of Moshiach. So that's my intention in today's class to try to at least, I, I don't have the answer. The answer, I hope Mashiach will come and give the answer. And I don't, generally, I don't like to explain suffering and pain and give any kind of, of, of justification for it. What I do want to say is that obviously um, we do believe that we are in the days of Mashiach because that's just a truth. And therefore, when we see things that contradict, so we need a pirush, we need an explanation. And the explanation is... Oh, again, limited to my small little brain. I'm sure, just like the story of Purim that unfolded, there were these great political events and great um, events that affected an empire, which at that time ruled over all of the civilized world, the Persian Empire. And even though they were political events and uh, other major events that were happening, externally they were reported as, and that's the way it was perceived at that time, as just events that didn't necessarily have a direct connection to the, the, the process of Geula, of redemption, and the return of the Jewish people to Eretz Yisrael, to rebuild Eretz Yisrael. But then after we read the Megillah Sester, then we, then we read the true story. 
So there is a deeper story that's going on over here, and everybody understands, as someone, um, um, my dear friend Rabbi Yisrael Hecht, sent me a little meme that said the most useless thing you could have bought and purchased was in 2019 was a daily planner for 2020. One thing is for sure, and I think over here is where I have a lot of, uh, a lot of um, support for my argument that we're living in Mashiach times. The one thing that everybody will agree on is that this year has been a roller coaster. If you remember that before Rosh Hashanah, I was telling you in the classes that we were having, I was saying that we're coming into a year 5780, where the eight, which is the power of the infinite, where the, where, where, where the, 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 the transcendental uh, energy, uh, godly revealed light, uh, will interact with the interacts, the junction where it interacts with the finite world. So I was just saying, get ready for turmoil. Get ready for a year of. I was hoping that it, uh, you know, it would just be outright Mashiach from the beginning. But I was telling everyone, put on your seatbelts. But we're we're in for a ride. Little did I expect that it would turn out the way it is turning out. Meaning, the 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 world shaking up in the way on such a global scale like it's happening now. And again, it's almost like a week ago. Go back two weeks ago and look at any of your favorite news channels on, uh, if you can still access old websites of the way the website looked. So you, you know you have, you scroll down, whichever, wherever you get your news from. And you scroll down, every single thing is about corona, about opening up, about social distancing, about yeah, opening, not opening, everything. Look today, just a few days later, and all that is gone. It's like I learned in the Gemara today, the Gemara says, the Gemara says that uh, the way, like a person that meets a wolf, no, yeah, he, meet, he meets a wolf, and he, he has to deal with it. <laughs> and then he finally manages to, you know, Survive the wolf encounter, and then he encounters a lion. Gemara says in Adaf Yud Gimel Masechtas Brachas, Gemara says he encounters a lion. So he's telling everybody. Initially, he's telling everybody about his first encounter. His encounter. Thank you. He's telling everybody about his first encounter. His encounter with the wolf and how he was saved from it. And then when he meets the lion, then he starts. Then his 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 um. um recounting of the miracle that happened to him is telling everybody what happened to him with the lion and then finally he meets this great um, python this great snake and he has to deal I'm just going to close the door over here so I'm just going to so then he meets the snake and he has to deal with um, the snake and then he goes ahead and he tells everybody of the miracles that happened with the snake. It made him forget everything that happened before. It's like a situation right now, if you're here right outdoors, if the helicopters are out, is riding, riding down the block, um, looting. I mean, today, Baruch Hashem, the police are cracking down and there's less of it, but it's right over here. And this whole situation is completely making us forget what happened before. So we're definitely on a roller coaster. And that is definitely indicative 
that the world is changing. Now, is the world dropping into a new low, into a much darker place? Are we going to experience immense suffering, pain, and misery, and who knows what? Is the United States collapsing? Are we ready just for a complete? Or is this indicative of a powerful, magnificent, global change that is coming our way and that we should get ready and take the Eibishter seriously, take Torah Mitzvah seriously, and shape up for Mashiach and do whatever we can to hasten it, make it come in a smooth way. I think it's the latter. I think we are, the world is hurtling full speed into Mashiach territory. But it needs to be understood then why the negative? Why in such a... So let me just share with you some thoughts and connect it to Shavuos, this year's Shavuos, to the giving of the Torah that we just received. So I would like to move at this from a more external observation to a deeper level, to an even deeper level. So uh, those who have subscribed to my daily videos, um, if you don't know how to do that, send an email or to mayon at office.com. Um, what is it? I'm sorry, office at mayon.com. Mayon is spelled M-A-A-Y-O-N. So, and then, and say you want to subscribe and we'll subscribe you to the to the daily to the daily videos. So those who've received my daily videos, or you can, if you have my regular number, WhatsApp number, you can WhatsApp me or text me, and I'll I'll subscribe you, or I'll send you the link of how to subscribe because I can't subscribe you, but you can subscribe. Um, so uh, we'll I I I've, I've mentioned these three ideas in my last three daily videos, but being that I'm trying to make them very short. There is, I'd like to elaborate and build and, and explain it in greater depth in today's class. And again, I'm sure there is infinite more meaning and depth to, to, to all of this, and I'm, I'm just small little whatever, <laughs> trying to look at these cosmic events that are taking place. One thing is for sure, the Ebershter told us that that the wonders that are going to happen will be in the, in a, and, and come along with the coming of Mashiach are going to be like, equal to the going out of Egypt and as many explanation of the Pasuk is, that it's going to be wonders compared to wonders. That the, whatever happened when we went out of Mitzrayim is considered small change compared to the magnificence of what we are to expect as Mashiach unfolds in the world. Again, let us hope and let us pray that it all should take a turn in for that everything that will happen will be in the in explosive goodness, in a goodness that we can see. We can't handle anymore this more mysterious good, which has to be good and it has to be a greater goodness, but camouflaged in darkness. That we can't handle anymore. So we're asking the Eberster to, to strip the external and to reveal the Pneumius. Part of why I'm speaking about this is to help do that. Because the more we can dismiss the negative and keep our eyes focused just on the positive, 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 we cause the Eberster also to do that. And this is part of the lesson today. We need to realize how powerful our observation is, how we create reality. 
And when we are positive thinking, when we are gu'ula thinking, when we are redemption thinking, when we are light thinking, not darkness, we create light. The Hashem Tzilcha, the Holy Baal Shem Tov says, Hashem Tzilcha, this yard site was just now, 2260th yard site of the Holy Baal Shem Tov. should mention that over here because we, Shavuos, usually in, <laughs> in normal times, when things are, we, we, we have a big event here celebrating the Baal Shem Tov's yard site. Sadly, this year, due to the restrictions, we couldn't have it. And it's 260th, 60th yard site of the Holy Baal Shem Tov passed. 260 represents 10 times God's name. Ten times Yudke Vavke. That means that the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, which the Balshemta begins to reveal, the Pneumius of Yudke Vavke, because that's only going to be revealed when Mashiach comes, the real, the Ani Havaya on the highest level, is going to be revealed only when Mashiach comes, and it started with the Balshemta, is already reaching the last, the last tier, because there's ten spheroids. So the ten times Yudke Vavke, ten times twenty-six of the Balshemta's yard site means that we are completely and totally saturated with Havaya, with Yudke Vavke, with the Giluyim of Yemoisa Mashiach. So the Baal Shem Tov uh, tells us that Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. And the way your shadow mimics you. So if you walk around down, depressed, and, and, and um, look at things, observe doomsday and speak of doomsday and talk the negative and, and see only bad in everything and how, especially in this case, it's so easy to turn around and say, well, this is the, 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 the people that are perpetrating this are just the, the, the dregs of society and of humanity. This is the darkest of the dark, the ugliest of the ugliest, and then this is all that it is. And, it's easy for me to say that, and it's easy for everybody to say, and, 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 and that's, that's what humanity has come, has come to right before Mashiach comes. And, oh, and maybe, hopefully, God will come and salvage the world from its, from its most depraved and darkest state. And, and you know what? Even from a Mashiach perspective, there, there is room to say that. It says that when Mashiach will come, there is... <laughs> The Gemara says Mashiach can come either in a generation shakulei zakai, a generation that's completely innocent and righteous, or a generation that's kulei chayev, that's completely guilty and wicked, and God has to save the world. So if one wants to see it that way, you can look that way. But when you see, when you look that way, that makes Hashem also look that way. And the Baal Shem Tov taught us to look differently. We can see differently. And even in the darkness, as we will get to, we can see the, 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 the godly that's here, the light, the beauty. Yes, there is beauty in this madness. You know, the Talmud tells a story. It's, it's, it's a, either a medrash or a Talmud or a, or, or a Gemara. I don't remember, I mean, rather, I never looked it up. I don't know, and I would be very thankful to someone who can who can direct me to that. I heard it as a bacher in yeshiva. I used to learn a yeshiva called Beis Meir. My Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Yankel Horowitz, I remember would repeat this more than once by his like schmooze, his talk that he gave on Friday. He would give usually a talk on the parsha, some kind of a, um, an inspirational talk. So I remember this particular medrash, this particular teaching. And obviously it meant that it made a deep impression on me. 
it relates that two people were walking down the street and they saw a carcass. They saw a dead carcass. And it stunk horribly. I was a donkey, I think, that was like dead on the floor. And I was there for a few days and there were probably flies and stuff. And it stunk. It was horrible. The stench was unbearable. And one of the sages walked by and said, Ugh, this is awful. And the other one said, Yeah, but look how white its teeth are. So here you have this stinking carcass. And you can see just the darkness of it, the horror, the stench. Or you can notice the white teeth. There's something nice there. The teeth are nice. That's, that's where we are. Can we notice the good or do we notice only the bad? And notice, and here's the thing. The, the godly is in the, is in the good. The, the bad is the klipa. The bad is the shells. It's not, it doesn't take much to notice the, 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 the disgust of it. And, to, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be called out. It, I'm not saying that we should stand here and say, oh, it's all wonderful and good and, and so on and so forth. Those that need to restore um, peace and, and order in this chaos on the streets need to call it out for what it is and need to stop it and need to, with the, all forms of condemnation, condemn this and say this is, even if you have grievances and even if the grievances are correct, and are righteous, there's no excuse to harm innocent people and to vent your grievances on people that have that on, 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 or to have this attitude of if I don't have, if I'm poor, or if whatever my life is miserable, you shouldn't have either. This this notion, this attitude um, is 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 is, a, is abhorrent and inexcusable. And needs to be, but I'm talking to a audience that wants to look deeper and see where are the white teeth in this, and could be the white teeth in this dead donkey is the truth of the whole donkey of the whole situation, the real godly element. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. So on the first and most external level. Before a new world emerges, there is an eradication of the, of, the old, of the old. A seed, when it grows, decomposes, and then the new tree grows out. And as you're looking at the seed as it's decomposing, it's horrible. It, it, it's, it's rotten probably smells as well, doesn't have anything, but that's only a sign as it decomposes for the, new, for the new growth. When our world as we know it is completely falling apart and it looks like there is nobody in control over this world that's now, no one can control it. It's spiraling out of control. Um, that might be a sign of, not just might be, that definitely is a sign of a new, like the, the words of the Maral, Maral Meprag is very big on this idea. In order there to be a Havaya Chadasha, to be a total new being, a new reality, the old world has to disintegrate. That's how he explains what the Gemara says in Masech Sota. The Gemara says in Masech Sota how terrible the world is going to look like right at the onset before Mashiach comes. It gives a very, very negative report of what society is going to look like.
Um, so the Maharal of Prague, great philosopher, thinker, rabbi, uh, 16th century um, genius and, and uh, leader of the Jewish people, um, his explanation is that the world goes through, it decomposes, and then there is a new life. So that's why before Mashiach comes, there's a certain denigration. In particularly regarding leadership, that's why it speaks that all kings, all nations, all governments will turn to heresy. That's what it says right before Mashiach comes. Because every, like, and, and it's explained in one of the Sikhs of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that he explains an interesting idea. He says it will be revealed in the world that any governorship, any form of, of, of a leadership that's not the ultimate leadership, which is the leadership of the, the uh, sovereignty of God, which is going to be the sovereignty of Mashiach Tzedkenu, who is going to represent God's sovereignty in the world. Anything but that is, is heresy. It, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not, is 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 um, it's not a workable system, and that's really what's what, what is happening, is that we are seeing democracy failing to a certain degree. Yes, people are voting and so on and so forth, but look what's happening. Look what the result is. You had an America that survived for so many years, and it kind of it flourished and it did well. Now we have a country that is ripped in half, literally divided in half. Like someone sent today another one of these. You know, sometimes they have a good message. Is like that Bibi Netanyahu offered Trump uh, to make a two-state solution. That's, it's not humor, it's a sad truth. I mean, obviously, if we are, we are telling Israel to make a two-state solution, we're already in the United States to make a two-state. Uh, people on the right and people on the left, two Americas. And, 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 so, and it's all following a democracy. It it's ultimately seems to be a system that will not hold out much longer. That's where we're, that, that's where we're at. And as I see it. It's not a system that is workable. It's reaching a point where it will not work anymore. Um, so what do we need? The world is ready for true leadership. The world is ready for a leader that is not, is not necessarily chosen by the limited minds of the masses. See, the problem with this whole system of, of, of of what's it called again, of um, a democracy, a governorship that is of, that, uh, that's based on the, the will of the people, is that the mass, then the, the, the governorship, whatever, whatever those which is created by those that are voted by the masses, will, will only, can only be as as, um, as great, if you can say, as wise, as the, as the comprehension of the masses. Um, imagine if we brought out an incredible, wise um, person that has an unbelievable foresight, that can see things that are going to happen in a thousand years from now. But only few people would appreciate a person like that. And if he, if he speaks, and if he's not necessarily the best PR, but he's a person who's speaking of great wisdom, and there are people like that, but no one listens to them. 
they may be lacking in all today's days in order to be voted as uh, so much in order to be voted as as a president and so on and so forth. It has to do with your charisma. It has to do with it has to do with your uh, a lot of times with looks or the color of your skin or your your <laughs> like these are the considerations. Who's going to be the running mate? Okay, we'll need to find a woman who's black and so on and so forth because only that. I mean. It, is, th is that a reason this person should be your leader? No, the reason should be a leader is someone who is a wise person, a person that has understanding, a person that has... But with a when, when, when the form of governorship is being chosen just by people choosing, so, and so many of the public are not necessarily that educated, so you're left by the lowest common denominator. Now, any other form of governorship throughout history has failed. The ultimate form of governorship is going to be a, a godly appointed human being. The only thing is that human, that, that humanity should be ready to accept a godly appointed human being whose wisdom will surpass all, all wisdom and all knowledge. And that person will be the inspiration for humanity. And obviously he will have a divine charisma. He will have a godly way of speaking to all human beings and all of the world and inspire humanity towards a higher way of living. That's Mashiach. So the fact that there is such a breakdown right now and the, and the leadership that's coming, whether you feel that the way to go about the situation right now in this chaos is a firm fist and just crack down powerfully, or whether you feel that there has to be more empathy and more caring and more compassion and so on and so forth, we're not getting the we're not getting that leadership right now. It's not it's not happening. It's out of control. I don't know what's going to be tomorrow. I don't know what's going to be next weekend. You know, I am pretty big fan of the president in terms of his policies regarding Eretz Yisrael and so on and so forth. But in 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 the situation that's going on right now, it 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 it, it it's going to take a lot more than than maybe than an iron fist to settle the situation down. And again, it's not, it's not here. It's not here right now. So I do want to share with you um, what it says in Navi, in Yeshaya, Isaiah, da, uh, on um, Perek Nun Aleph, 51, Pasuk Dalit. It says a pasuk. It says, "Akshivu elai ami." Listen to me, my people. Uluumiya, my nation, elai hazinu. Pay close attention to me. Ki Torah meiti teitzei, because Torah is going to emerge from me. Umishpati and my law, lo oyer amim to the light, to illuminate the nations. Argia, and will argia. I will bring calmness. So Hashem is saying to us, the Jewish people, listen to me my people. A new Torah is going to come out, come forth from me, from Hashem. Obviously he's talking about the future. And my law, my judgment to the light will illuminate nations and will bring argia, will bring calmness. So if you take a look, now, Chazal learn out from this Pasuk, this is important, the sages learn out in a Medrash in Vayikra, that when Mashiach will come, there is going to be new Torah in the world. New Torah is going to emerge from God. Now, there's a deep explanation on this. It can't mean a new Torah. We know the old Torah will never be exchanged. It means 
that there will be so much light and so much new innovation in Torah that is going to be revealed from Hashem Himself. Hashem is going to unravel the Torah for us. He's going to open up all of its hidden mysteries in a way that is way beyond, way, way, far beyond anything we've ever studied and ever learned. It's going to come gushing forth. And when that wisdom will come and it will be channeled into the greatest teacher of all of history, and that is Moshiach Tzadkenu, who is going to teach everybody, all of humanity, the entire world, from our forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, all the way down to all to people and nations as well, and everybody, and all races, and all colors, and everybody will listen to him. They'll be transfixed, they'll be mesmerized by his guidance and his teachings. This is Mashiach Tzadkenu. So that Torah will come forth, and it says in the Redak over here, and the Metsudais, um, What's the Torah? Hashem iti This Torah that's going to come out from Hashem will come out Torah. Kamoisha kasev kimi tzion teitzik Torah from Zion from Tzion will come out Torah. Kimelech haMashiach yoyres bnei Adam leleches bedarke Hashem. Melech haMashiach will instruct humanity to go in the ways of God. Okay, to start with. But what does it mean? In how will that be through overpowering humanity? Will it be, God forbid, some kind of a dictatorship? And there will be, uh, he will have this, 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 God will give him power and he will set up this powerful police force that will police humanity? No. My judgment will illuminate nations. Hear these words. The judgment of my anointed one, of Moshiach. Yetzeh will emerge. Leheir ene amim. It will illuminate the eyes of nations. Bedivrei rivaisam. In their quarrels. In other words, Mashiach will come and he will settle the quarrels amongst the nations. And what will that do? Argia. That will calm things down. With this Hashem says, I will provide margoya, tranquility, vahashkate, and, and calmness, lakol umma vaumma to every nation. They will not continue to wage war against each other. Like it says, the nation will not lift a sword towards the other. So we are told that the one who will bring tranquility and the ultimate tranquility and peacefulness that will answer the grievances of people will be Mashiach. So the fact that right before Mashiach comes, there is a lack of leadership, there is a vacuum, there is a big emptiness and a big void that is felt very strongly in this country, the leading country of all of the world, and to a certain degree when there's a lack of leadership in the in a country like the United States, it impacts nations as well. And there is definitely no leadership in Europe and in other places. This emptiness, this void is begging and crying out for a true leader. And Mashiach will fill that. So that's number one. Point number one. Um, now I want to take it even a step de deeper. And that is... To perhaps explain 
according to th this initial explanation that I'm that I'm hopefully providing over here for for what for what could for how this fits into Yemoisa Mashiach. What we are seeing is not the Mashiach. What we are seeing is is contradictory to Mashiach. It's only only when humanity is at this desperate state because of this because of this darkness, now humanity can open up and receive a true leader. In other words, as long as people still believe that ordinary democracy and voting and so on and so forth is still the way to govern and the way to success and the way that humanity will survive the next and thrive for the next 2,000 years, then maybe they reject Mashiach. Who needs Mashiach, in a sense? I mean, they wouldn't even give him a, a chance. Now that humanity is, is, is realizing the feudalness of all the forms of government that are all falling apart, so now there is, there is not just a chance, but obviously we know this is the way it's going to be, once Moshiach, and obviously how Hashem is going to make Moshiach um, 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 accepted and, and uh, revered, or at least that people would give him a, a chance to talk, Hashem is going to obviously do that. That's not, that's not, that's not the, the issue. The question is how ready is the world from within itself, without being imposed on. That's the idea. The Eibishter does not want to rule the world by force. That's the whole Chiddush of Biyas HaMashiach. That it's going to stop being a Memshala. It says a Pasuk, it says, Ki Hashem Amlucha, to God is kingship, umoyshel bagoyim. And he's, and he dominates over the nations. Um, that's until Mashiach comes. Until Mashiach comes, it will be to the nations. The Abishter is God's kingship is is more of an, an encroachment on their existence. The chiddush of Mashiach is that humanity will cry out, "We want, we want Hashem to be our king. We willfully, we joyfully are 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 are, are not just willing, but we're 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 deeply." excited about subjugating ourselves to a higher form of existence and to a higher life. And that means malchus, kingship. So if for that to happen, we've reached this point. I think it's kind of, now, because you've taken a look in America, you see those that are arguing, this is not good. The current administration is blah, 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 blah. And who exactly is, is, are, 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 is the best candidate. You realize, you have a whole United States of America and you're looking for the best candidate and this is what you got? I, I, I don't think anybody is really excited to go vote in November other than I can't stand him so I'm voting the other end. There's no excitement. There's no leadership. But I won't... But, but let's go deeper. Can the violence itself be an, on, on a much deeper level an instigator for Geula, for Mashiach? Or 
part of the process on a deeper level, not just a, 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 a negative, a rotting that precedes. So I saw a little line that got me very excited yesterday in a discourse. Again, to know the world of Mashiach, we have to, we, we have to look in Svarim that are based on futuristic teachings. And, I mean, you find it in the old Svarim as well. I just quoted to you Radak and Metsudais. But we want to look in Sifri Chasidus. Chasidus, the Balshemtiv, is the future light. Within the Balshemtiv, the, the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, just, this is, this is the light, this is Teirah Chadashim, Iti that's coming from, from the future. It's coming from Mashiach. It's coming from the outpouring, infinite insight that's related to related to the future, related to Yemoisa Mashiach. So one of the lines I read this week was very powerful. Over there he's talking about um, the way the Ebershta created. It's a Shavuos Mimer. I think in the year, yeah, Tavshin Chavches, it's called, I said the second day of Shavuos, 1968. Vaidaber it was given out Tavshin Memtes in a country, so it's also in Sefer Mamar and Malukit. Over there, he is discussing the idea that the Eibishter, when Hashem created, he's discussing why Aseris Adibris was said in a way of klal uprat. First, First, when Hashem spoke, he spoke all these words, which means he spoke all of Aseris Adibris all in one, and we all heard it, in one, Hashem said them all ten in one shot, and then he specified in ten Dibris. That's what Rashi says, that Hashem said all ten in one shot, and then he, then he spoke all ten out individually. Um, the 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 Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the Balatanya says, includes not just Aseris Adivrais, but means the entire Torah, and including every Chidush that every single Yid is going to say. All Chidushi Torah, every idea, every novel idea in Torah that's going to be said until the end of time, it's all included in Dvarim Eil. The Eibushter spoke it in in that first. Um, um, utterance or that first commandment and then it was mafurit. then it came down into detail and he says that you see the same thing in creation when Hashem created the world he first created the world in it with a general energy as it says Bereshis, Hashem could the, the, Gemara, the Mishnah says in Perkayavis Hashem created the world with ten utterances then the Mishnah says but he could have created it with one utterance and the idea this comes to teach you Right, so in order to reward and to punish, whatever, that's what the Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavis. So, But when the Hasidus explains, when it says that Hashem could have created the world in one utterance, it doesn't just mean could have, it means He actually does. There is two levels in existence. There is creation at, as it is emanating from the one utterance that the Eberster said, that God said, and then there is the detailed creation when Hashem specifies every creature and every being in a specific manner. So the idea that he's discussing over there is why did it have to happen that way? Hashem could have created the world in directly going to the details. Hashem doesn't have to work his way down from the general to the details. Hashem could have immediately created the world from the details. The gist of the answer, it's a very deep answer, but the gist of the answer is that had Hashem created the world just in a specified, specific manner, then the world would be incapable 
we would all be differentiated and specified and that would give our egos a very, 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 very strong and absoluteness to our sense of self but we would not be able to sense our creator uh, to the degree that Hashem wants us to in other words, Hashem wants that as a result of all of our efforts and work and labors we should one day come to a recognition how all of, all, all of creation, all of humanity, we're all together subjects of one creator and we're here to live our lives in unison to create this incredible symphony of human perfection and human contribution and expression of the singular divine source that created us all and to be the ultimate expression of God's infinite beauty that will come out from all of us together as a, but that will require a powerful recognition of the all-inclusive power that created us all. If the Eberster would have created us just directly from a specified energy, we would never be able to feel that general source. In other words, we would be too stuck up in ourselves. We wouldn't have harmony and unity with the rest of the world and we wouldn't sense God as strongly. So what Hashem and so now even though here's an important idea even though we could have been created this way but then Hashem could have shown upon us higher revelations and higher lights that we should sense the infinite beyond that's beyond our existence and therefore surrender to it and accept it and then 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 then, then, then become godly conscious but then it wouldn't be then it would be foreign to who we are it would be an external recognition it would be something that is like superimposed upon us. It wouldn't be our nature to be unified as, as a whole, to be in a state of complete, what we call in Hasidus, bitl, recognition to, to and, 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 and complete um, self-effacement to our source and our purpose. And we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be able to reach that. It wouldn't be natural to us. It would be external. Therefore, the Abishter had to begin our creation from a state of unity, from a state of all-inclusiveness, from a state where his oneness is pronounced to the fullest in the most extreme, most powerful state. Since, and therefore, that's the platform for our existence. And therefore, inevitably, mankind and the world, as obviously as a result of the Abishter giving us the instruments and the tools to reach that, through the Jewish people through 613 commandments and all of our observances, the rest of humanity through the observance of the seven Noahide laws, we will eventually reach a point where we will rediscover the singular oneness that's the source of our existence. It will not cancel the nature and the specifications and the details and the personalities of each and every one of us. But it will, but, but, but at this, but, but it will, it will express itself in our existence through our, throughout, throughout, and it will be natural to us because our existence begins at that point. That's the idea that he develops. Very, very powerful idea, which is worth learning and really understanding because I'm not really going into it right now. But then the Rebbe continues and he says, this idea could be understood similar to the idea, no, but he says that once things come into details and specification, Again, from the general into the detail, details 
ultimately bring out the truth, the singular oneness, the very fact that we are particularizing things into particular, it's not that we're going, it ultimately leads to a deeper understanding of the greater whole. The more you get into the details, the further and deeper you get into the into the unity and into the oneness, which is, should have been the opposite, because the more you're going into the details and the specifics, you're going away from the singular oneness, but it's not that way. Because ultimately, the pratim, the details, have a higher source in the essence of the Eberster than the general initial light. Let me just explain this just briefly. He gives the example, and he says, it's to be understood from a from a teacher that is teaching. So there's initially first one singular thought, one idea, and then as the idea is conveyed to the students, to the, to the recipients, you obviously need to break it up into pieces, into details. For instance, first this one thought has to be, this one, this one, this one insight, this one concept, has to come into words in the mind of the teacher, and many, many thoughts, and, but that's, in, 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 the, in the teacher's mind, in the world of thought, it's still too intense for the student, then the teacher has to prepare words, verbalize, find words of communication. And once the teacher brings it down into, into a prepared lesson of words, and obviously they diminish the light, and they have to specify so many ideas that in the, in the thought of the teacher was not required because the teacher sees the whole picture in all of its light. The, the student is going to have to receive it bit by bit. So the teacher has to bring it down into details and details of details. But once the teacher does specify and bring, in, bring it into the details, the amazing thing happens that precisely by bringing it down lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, it intensifies, sharpens, and enriches the idea in the mind of the teacher. The further, the lower you go, the meaning is the, the, the more the simpler the student is, if you're not going to teach this to another professor or to another great uh, you know, philosopher, thinker, scientist, but you're going to teach this to a layman, or perhaps you're going to go and you teach it to a child, like we know King Solomon was able to take the deepest ideas and explain it to children. So the lower you go, the more you're going to have to chop it up into tiny little bite-sized pieces. The, the further the teacher needs to bring it down, it's, it's, it's in a sense, the, the concepts are so minuscule and so tiny now, and they're in no way compared to the brightness and the sharpness of this idea in its, or, in its original source. But yet, for the teacher, it's only clarifying it, a new insight, a new depth into the richness and the, and the truth of this concept is, 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 is being realized because they're coming down lower. That's the way it happens by all teachers know this. Now, there is, but there's even a step deeper. And that is, the ultimate clarity of a concept comes when the students object to what the teacher is teaching, and they ask a question. When you have a question and you have a challenge to the idea, the challenge itself forces, because then the teacher has to rethink, because now he has an objection. And there is something clashing with the idea. When there is a clash that clashes with the idea, it forces a deeper, a deeper, a deeper understanding or from the teacher to be able to resolve, I mean, obviously, if the concept is a true concept, if it's, if it's flawed, then 
it's, it can be refuted and it's refuted. But if it's a true idea, then the very questions themselves clarify. That's why we find that the halacha is like Talmud Bavli and not like Talmud Yerushalmi. There's two Talmuds. There's the Jerusalem Talmud and the, ba- the Babylonian Talmud. We always follow whenever there is a clash, whenever there is a discrepancy between the Jerusalem Talmud and the, ba- the Babylonian Talmud, we follow the Babylonian Talmud usually, in most cases, and not the Jerusalem Talmud. An explanation is given because in the Babylonian Talmud there is much more back and forth. Questions, objections, and as a result of that, they come to a clearer understanding of the subject than even the Jerusalem Talmud. That's the explanation that's given. The more objections, the Babylonian Talmud is called darkness. In darkness, the Abishtor has put me, the Gemara says, that Talmud Bavli. So there is more objection, and objection, and the objection itself brings out clarity. And that's why the Gemara says that the, 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 one of the sages said, I, I learned a lot from my teachers, from my colleagues, my friends. I've learned even more, but the most I learned from my students. And it's for two reasons. Number one, just teaching it to students brings something, forces the teachers to, 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 to sharpen the idea so much more. And, and furthermore, the objections and the questions that come from the student, again, cause the person, the teacher, to go into the pre-intellect, to go into the potential of the idea and unearth its depth in a way that they would never have done had they not come up against a block. So, therefore, you find, let me give you an interesting thing. When you're studying, for example, a passage in the Talmud, the Gemara comes one of the sages, comes Rava, for instance, and he presents an idea. Comes the Gemara, and the Gemara uh, um, objects to the idea and refutes it, asks a question. I have a Mishnah that says the opposite. So the whole svara, the whole concept has now been, has been, has been dismissed. So the Gemara goes and the Gemara gives an answer to explain and therefore incorporate that this Mishnah should not be a question because this idea needs to be understood so and so and it's not exactly in that case, that's a different case. So now you have a better understanding of the concept because you can reconcile even the question. Then the Gemara presents another question. Sometimes the, Tal- the Gemara goes ahead for uh, one page, one side, two sides, three, back and forth, back, sometimes three or four pages, back and forth, back and forth. Mamash gives you a headache. But if you're really, really following it through and through and through, you've shot the idea from every angle, try to dismiss it. Then finally comes at the end, you get the biggest question. It's like the Gemara says, I'm going to give you the final objection. It doesn't tell you. Right. And it's like, a, like we say, a bumbakasha, like a bang. And like, oh, now it's like, after everything, this is like, you're done. And you're thinking like, it's done. And then the Gemara comes back with the final answer. And the final answer is like, once that's presented, it, 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 it refutes or, or undoes or dismisses or completely obliterates, I'd rather say, that, that, that objection, that question, and everything is clear. And now the clarity. And now one can, when one is holding by that last point, and um, before you get the final answer, before you get the final clarity in it, and you get that strong objection, you can say to yourself that what? You've wasted all your time. This entire study back and forth and back and forth and back and forth was in vain. Because what? You've now dismissed it. It's not, so what have you gained? But after you get the final answer, 
and you get the clarity in it, then you realize that the back and forth, each time, back and forth, clarified and clarified, got you closer to the depth and to the pure, pure truth of this concept, of this idea. And then the final objection, which might have been the biggest objection, really forced out the quintessence of the concept and its purity as it is. This concept and this idea is really the story of history, the story of Hashem's creation. When God creates the world, He's like a teacher. He's presenting an idea. And the, the idea behind creation is, of course, the ultimate idea, is the harmony and the unity where all of existence operates in perfect unison, where every being and every creature is fulfilling its purpose and its mission and, and recognizes his and her place in the universe and what you can contribute and what godly light you can bring to the world. And that's in all human being and in every creature and every aspect of existence. Nothing in the world is in vain. Nothing in the world is here just Everything, nothing should be disparaged. Everything has a purpose and everything has a place as long as it's tuned into what its purpose is and its mission. God has that idea, but we get objections because we come up against people and objects that are acting contrary to this unity, to this oneness, to this... And people are acting in a corrupt manner, in a way that is in, in, in antithetical to this beautiful, um, godly oneness. That's like a student who's asking a question. He's objecting. And what does that do? That forces a deeper truth to be revealed. And so it is, so it is. Right before Mashiach comes, right at the, when it seems like we're there already, comes the big, big question. The big, big question, the Rebbe says in the Mimer, the fact that the world can behave antithetical to God's will, that's the question the student is asking. Obviously, these entities, these people that are acting in this way, they're not feeling the unity of God. It's not permeating them. In other words, they're not feeling how they play a role in the, in the ultimate purpose of creation, how they are channels of divine light. To th that they too as human beings were given a unique role and a unique purpose in which they could contribute and they have talents that no other human being has and the things that they could contribute obviously if you're running around looting and destroying it's because you have no sense of value of, your, of yourself that's a question and all that has been taught all that religion taught and everything that has been taught till now has not answered it for them because if it would they wouldn't be behaving this way so the unity of God, the MSLA key, the godly truth, Matan Torah, and everything that was given has not yet reached the point that it has clarified for all of humanity. Ah, when you ask that kasha, the final question, and it could be very well that a world erupting in violence as it is right now, with so many people doing so many negative things, is the biggest kasha. It's the kasha on, 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 on the Abishter, right? What's your plan? What's your, what's your um, um, a dream for your humanity? What's your aspiration for it? The answer is Gilui Mashiach. Mashiach will bring that answer. Mashiach will bring that truth. So the fact that we have a big question 
and it happened seconds before the Giyula, what I'm, is, is, is again, these are, this is my, my, uh, my thought that clicked, in, that came to my head, when part of my head was occupied with riots and violence, and at the same time I'm learning this discourse, seeing that when mankind is behaving contradictory to God's will, it's a question that is provoking a deeper answer of God's unity to be revealed. So I just put the two together, that's what it looks like to me. That the big, grand answer that is going to fill the entire world with holiness and godliness, with song and brotherhood and love and, 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 and light, is what the world is waiting for right now. Is about to happen. Which leads us even to a deeper point. And leads us to, to the final point of what I want to say today. And that is that, but even according to this explanation, the actual event that's taking place right now, the protests and the riots and all this, now obviously we, can't, we shouldn't say the two, they're two separate things, I mean to say. Some, a, lot of the, a lot of protesters, and we're gonna see, is, is, is are, pro, are protesting because of a deep sense of caring for, for an innocent life that was taken. Rioters are rioters, right? So I'm, I, I, I'm, we have to differentiate that, obviously. Um, but in general, the, the, we're looking at, at, at this chaos and at this madness as a, as a, as a, as a big, 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 big n negative or a question, and maybe a question that's provoking the ultimate answer, but it's still, it itself, is is anti-truth, anti-Mashiach, anti-godliness. Perhaps we can see the white teeth in that in that carcass. That's what I'm looking for right now. Where 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 are the where are the white teeth? And I think it's just very simple. We just passed this Pashfuis, we we just completed three thousand three hundred and thirty-two years since the Torah was given. The three thousand three hundred and thirty second anniversary since the Torah was given. But if you count the year the Torah was given as well as number one, because 3,332 is if you start counting from the year 2449, the Jews went out of Egypt and received the Torah 2448. But if you start counting from 2449, then you have one, two, and so forth. But if you count already 2448 as the first year, because that's when we got the Torah, that means we, 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 we've received the Torah, and we know that every year God gives us the Torah again and again, so the Torah has been given to the world 3,333 times. And the number three is a very, very pivotal number when it comes to the giving of the Torah. As we know, the sages say, thank you God that has given us a triple Torah to a triple people. Uh, triple Torah, because there's Torah, Nevi'im, Eksuvim, the Torah, the prophets, the writings, to a triple people, because the Jewish people are made up of three groups, Kohanim, Levi'im, Yisraelim. He gave it to us on the third month, because the Torah was given to us on Sivan, which is the third month of the year, in the Hebrew calendar. And it was given to us to the third day, because Hashem said, be prepared to the third day. And it was given to us through Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the third in his family. 
and the other commentators write a lot more number three elements regarding to the Torah. So in that sense, you see number three is very significant, and we discussed this at many occasions, because three represents harmony and peace and unity. The Torah's coming to the world is to harmonize the fragmented pieces. Oh, this is a world of fragmentation, to uncover the intrinsic unity, to bring all of existence together, to have every creature and every being function in accordance to the divine purpose of God's master plan, of what the Eberster wants. Every being identify with its role and its purpose, and then we will have a wholesome, perfect world. It makes all the sense, it makes, I mean, it, it's logical to believe that after 3,333 years, we're completed. The world has completely been repaired by the Torah. So you ask the question, repaired? How can the world be repaired if this is what we're seeing? We're seeing the, most, the world in its most ugliest form. We're seeing a world broken. Just look at the pictures and the images of the looting and of the atrocities that have been done, people being public, people being, whatever, I don't want to speak the darkness, but I mean, I, it's not like I'm naive and I haven't seen those videos. I've been transfixed and watched a lot of that. And, but again, I'm looking for the white teeth. And here's the idea. When the Abishta gave us the Ten Commandments, God said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit murder. Now, what does that mean? Mankind needed to be instructed on that because based on the world after the Chet Eitz after the sin of the tree of knowledge, when Yetzirah, evil inclination, went into man, since the dawn of time, you see the next second generation, Cain and Hevel, Cain killed Hevel. Okay, Cain wanted something, for, he was jealous, was envious of Hevel, he killed Hevel. Since then, the seed of, of, of envy, greed, and... Um, taking advantage of weaker people has been the history of mankind. Now, the Torah comes to the world to set, to fix the world and to elevate and to bring the world to the Messianic, to Mashiach's times. What does that mean? So the, the, the Alter Rebbe says in an Amayimah, the Rebbe speaks about it a lot, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that the impact the Torah has on the world is that eventually Whatever the Torah instructs we shouldn't do starts becoming the natural feeling, meaning nature, the, the, the nature of the world is that we cannot do so and so. It's not that it's because, because religion doesn't let us, because my pastor, my priest, or my policeman, or the whatever, the government is not allowing me. It's because I feel that I have no right and I believe in the dignity and the absolute right of every human being to live. What's that right? That right is based on the fact that God created that human being and therefore they have a right to live unless they did something that the Torah says that they should be put to death for, for whatever that is and God is the master of life and he decides that. And he gave us a system of setting up courts to decide so and so. The idea that every human being is valuable in God's eyes and that there is no difference when it comes to life to differentiate between one human and another human. There's a sacredity to, to life. That has not been the nature of mankind throughout. Now, obviously, human beings have evolved and the rights of minorities and the rights of people of 
economic behavior used to be that those that were rich and wealthy, or those that had uh, those of the of the um, of the uh, uh, what were they called the the uh, I'm looking I'm looking for the word the elite I'm looking for the, um, the aristocrats and so on and so forth plundered stole took advantage of grabbed whatever they wanted and beat and killed and no one cared it was just it was normal this was accepted that this is what way, way things are. And mankind has grown and grown, but the but Hasidus explains it's it's the it's Hashem repeating every shvuas loy tirzach you shall not murder you shall not, that eventually the Alter Rebbe says included in loy tirzach it means not that you should not murder but that you will not in Hebrew the Saras Adibris were said in a way they can also be read lo tirzach you will not kill why will you not kill not because you'll be afraid you will not kill because you won't be capable of killing. The fact that a human life was taken and there is an outrage, an outrage and it's rooted in the idea that people are sensing that there is a certain dismissal in which you say that, you know, oh, that, that the, the, some human beings are, 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 are less of lesser value than others. That is a klipa. That is against the Abishter's, uh, that the Abishter created every human being in his image, and God said, Loi Tertzach, and God said, Adam the one who spills the blood of man. Now, law enforcement has to do the job of law enforcement, and police officers are out, and let's, let's move that all to the side. I know all of that. Police officers risk their lives every day and are, are, are in a lot of times in very, 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 very jeopardized situations where they have to make decisions and sometimes they might err. We got that. But there are some times where it's crystal clear that a person was disregarded and again, the policeman didn't say, I'm doing this because you're black, but if a community senses and feels that way, that they're being dismissed at certain times because of the color of their skin and because of that their life is of less value. Again, mankind has, has behaved this way for thousands of years in all shapes and forms where there was different levels of status. And the fact that for mankind to accept that there is an equality for every human being when it comes to life that every human being has a right to, no one has a right, God forbid, ever to snuff out an innocent life of a human being. The fact that the entire world, and because the, the protests are now exploding all over. Now, I know that there are many anarchists, and there are many people that are looking for an opportunity to, to run out there in the streets and to loot. But again, I want to strip away all the external element and just look for the white teeth. I'm looking for the Nakud Epinimis. You know, the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, taught us this. He's a master in this, in this teaching, in this idea. You have, for instance, in one of the famous stories of the Talmud, where you had a, the Gemara, the, end of the, the Talmud, and the, the Gemara says in the end of Masech the Sukkah, that there was this girl, she was from the family of the Kohanim. She was a family, her name was Miriam. And her, she, during the Greek uh, occupation, before the story of Hanukkah, when the Greeks occupied the land of Israel, 
they took this girl, um, they, this girl um, got, uh, f um, um, met a Greek officer and um, she went off to marry this Greek officer. So she left the fold of the, uh, and she intermarried. And uh, when the, the Greeks were in their grand finale of desecration, and they were in the temple, and they were partying, and they were trampling, and they were um, desecrating the, the holy temple in the worst way possible, she came along to the festivities to watch and to observe. And as she was there, she saw the altar, she took her slipper off, and she ran to the altar, she threw it at the altar, which throwing a shoe, and still in many communities today, is a, a, the biggest sign of disrespect possible, threw it at the altar and yelled at it, wolf, wolf, Lucas, Lucas, until when are you going to steal the money of the Jewish people, or not steal, but machala means to um, spend their money, to uh, destroy the, 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 meaning the Jewish people bring so many um, sacrifices, for you, and when they need, and, and, and you're allowing them basically to, 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 to suffer so, because I'm sure many people tried to defend the temple, and they were killed, and there was a horrible, horrible stuff going on over there. It was a horrible day, and she did this. Now, when the people heard that, they were so shocked that a Jewish in the temple, when a Jew walked into the temple, they trembled in awe in front of God's presence. To go towards the altar and to act, is clear blasphemy to talk that way, to throw a shoe. So the, the, the sages went and they punished the entire um, family of Bilga um, for, for this. And they were certain because the, her family was a, a priestly family. So they had certain um, privileges taken away from them, this group. So the Gemara, so this the Rebbe once made a siyam on this story on his mother's yard side on Vav Tishrei. And the Rebbe said the story and he was actually very emotional. And he said, but like we, we look at the story and we're judging this girl on her, on her actions, but what, what's really there? If you take, why, the Rebbe asked the question, why would the Gemara tell us her name? That's Lashon Hara, why would the Talmud? So he says, because really there is, on the deeper level, there is a, the, 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 what really was going on over here is that this girl, the Gemara is trying to tell you how, in a sense, how beautiful this, 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 this person is, this neshama, how deep a Jewish soul is. That even a, 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 this, this Jewish, even, even if she became so alienated to her people, even when she became so disconnected that she can come to the, that she married out of the fold and then come to the temple and, and not be bothered to watch the festivities, watch what's going on, but yet at a moment that it touched her, the suffering of the, of the Jewish people and the desecration that even her it touched, and it, 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 it evoked in her such a feeling of protest of a deep cry, God, what are you doing? What are you, how are you to allow this to happen? So she expressed herself in a blasphemous way, but the trigger was something noble and something good. The Rebbe said this, and the Rebbe said that, because people were very shocked that this interpretation was very different than what everybody, than the take of this passage of the Talmud. And the Rebbe then later revealed that, this, that Anishama, her Bilg has been waiting for thousands of years, suffering the consequences of this, of, of, of this story, until someone came, referring to himself, to reveal the, the white teeth over here, to reveal the good over here in this story, to uncover the beauty 
and seems like he repaired her, her neshama. He was able to, to rectify her sin and, and, and restore her to, to, a, to a holy place, to a good place. What I, why I'm using the story is just to bring out that of course, what we're seeing outside is negative and dark. We're seeing a lot of people that are, that are vandalizing other people's property. We're seeing a lot of people, and we're seeing more people, got, people have been killed. There's been more murder that has happened the last couple of days as a result of this. So it's a lack of, of respect for life. But let's, all that, you know, once the country is gonna get control, I don't know how long it's gonna take. Let it take a day or two. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping for Mashiach, let that happen today. In a week from now, the carnage is over and everything has been settled. And all this, and the, hopefully those who were looted were caught in camera and they're gonna be arrested. And they, I don't know, I hope and I pray. I hope that, that but what's the lasting impact? The lasting impact over here is that what? That human life is sacred and we cannot differentiate between one human being and another human being. That is the days of Mashiach. When Mashiach, when the world has fully inculcated that, that and others, I think the Me Too movement, in which it is not tolerated anymore, men taking advantage of women, that's another of the Aseris Adibros, related to um, Lo Sinaf. And that too becomes unacceptable in society. It becomes just absolutely, just, it, it, it's absolutely not tolerated. That's the point. This is another level of not tolerating. Not tolerating the murder of an innocent person. Some people are, are, are taking this as, a, as an excuse to loot and to riot. I'm, I'm talking about the inner, the inner idea behind it. The, that every life matters. Doesn't make a difference the color of your skin. Doesn't make a difference who, what, where, when, and, and this. You do matter. That is... Moshiach. And that is an indication. It is an indication that the Giyula is right over here. Now we just need Moshiach to be revealed. And, and here, let me take this a step further. If these looters and hooligans that are running on the streets would, in, would internalize the very slogan that they are calling out, that every life matters, whether they're black or they're of any other ethnicity or any other color or any other race, if they would really take into deeply appreciate and, 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 and recognize that they matter. And they matter why? Because they're created in the image of God and they have a purpose and a mission in this world to act as a productive part of society then, and make their contribution, then, then obviously they would not stoop to behave like an animal and to steal and so on and so forth. Let's hope that as the world at large gives a higher level of respect to every human being, that this, this sense of respect that is given to, to all humans will trigger those who still need to find the deep significance of their own existence that it should help them discover their value and their true um, infinite worth.
by being a creation of, by the mere fact that the infinite being wanted them and desired him or her to exist. So obviously this will end all the corruption. But I believe we're a lot closer. May the Abish to help that, uh, may the Abish to speed it up, let's just say. From below we've gone as far as I believe we can. Now we need revelation from above. I am praying for godly revelation at this very moment, Moshiach revelation. I think we're, we're at the point where the two are ready to converge. The efforts of mankind, the desire of mankind for leadership, the, the, the human race reaching a certain, a certain state is ready for Hashem's revelation from above, which again, the riffraff, the garbage, will in a moment disappear. And the, the, the deeper lessons will be here eternally, forever, and the world will be the beautiful world the Eberster intended it to be. Please don't pick me up and never ever pick me up.